Welcome to Secret Sauce for Success, show number 11. Hi, everybody. You have tuned in to the Secret Sauce for Success show, where we strive to find the secret ingredients that lead to success. We interview successful guests every week and learn their secret to their success. We sincerely hope you implement these habits into your life and become the best you that you can be. Enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? It's Rick Stahl, host of the Secret Sauce for Success show. Live from Colorado, here with my co-host, Doug Kirstein. What's going on, Doug? Hey, Rick. It's been a busy, busy week, which is a good thing when you're in your own business. Been loving life these days. Weather's getting a little bit warmer, and things are just, I think, looking up all over the place. So I'm really pleased about that. I uh, recently had to go buy a new car, which was a little bit of a frustration for me. I was hoping to keep my other car for a long time, and it got into an accident. It was totaled. So that's been a big event over the last month or so for me. What did you get? I've got a Ford Explorer. It's uh, The new designs, I think, are really cool. They look a lot like a Range Rover. In fact, my son was telling me that I dropped him off at a friend's house, and his friend's dad looked out the window and said, did your dad buy a Range Rover? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an Explorer, but, you know, so I thought that was kind of cool. Very nice. What did you like about the Ford Explorer? Well, there's a lot of things I like about the Explorer. I love the look of it. You know, I love the size. I'm a Ford guy. I've always been a Ford guy. I had a Ford Flex before. So that was uh, that was a pretty easy transition for me or a pretty easy move for me to make. I don't make a Flex anymore, so the natural move from there would have been over to the, the Explorer. So that's where I was looking. It does all the things I need it to do. You know, I'm, I'm a woodworker, so I'd, I put wood in the back and do different different things like that. But it's also got room for... I think seven people in it so I can fit a bunch of kids in there. If we have kids around or my mom or whatever the case is, right? And, and we take road trips out because my mom lives out of state. So we take road trips to see her. We put all our stuff in the back, including the dog. It's good around town. It's only got a little four-cylinder engine in it, but it's got 300 horsepower, which you would not necessarily guess if you were driving it because it really has quite a little bit more get up and go than you might think. So yeah, all around, great car. I love it. Very good. Yeah, you got to... Keep your family safe, you know, with a reliable car. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at a number of other types of cars, too. I drove a a Lexus, which was a beautiful car, but it was just expensive, and it had a big V8 engine in it, which is kind of a dinosaur. And their V8 engine has only one horsepower more than my car does. You know, so I'm not really losing power. Maybe some reliability, some uh, residual value, that sort of thing, but I really felt like it was the right car. One of my favorite quotes comes from, who was it, Will Rogers, I believe, said this. And he said that uh, too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. Just not a person who, who does that kind of thing. It's not important to me what somebody else thinks. It's not important to me what other people want me to do. You know, I've got a list of things that need to happen. And so this car really did it for me. That was the right choice. Cars aren't cheap, man. I'll tell you, I was amazed at the number of cars and the number of what you would consider to be kind of the average person's brands, like a Ford or a Chevy or something like that, and the number of those cars that get close to $60,000. Wow, that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And thinking about some of these other things, looking at the Lexus, geez, the Lexus brand, you can get cars easily over $100,000, 100000 110000 I think six figures for a car. You drive it off a lot, and you lose 30 to 40%. Yeah, anyway, that's the big news on my end. Got a new car. Fun. Very good. Yeah, I love that new car smell. Yeah, me too. And you know, my son is 15. He's been learning how to drive, so I think he's driven it more than I have. <laughs> for the interview for today, 
is you and I going to go over the last 10 episodes and kind of walk through and see what we learned. Yeah, sounds good. And before we jump into that, I also wanted to mention that we have hit 125 downloads. So we broke that triple-digit number, and we're on our way. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it and look forward to a lot more episodes where we can help you find the secrets to success here. Excellent. Yeah, I've learned a lot. I know that. Yeah. Starting out, should we just walk through them surely here and talk about David Chippergan, our first guest? Yeah, let's talk about Dave. Dave and Alyssa, they uh, have quite the story. They, you know, they started with the Airbnb in their primary basement. They tasted that success. Then that just got them on fire. They tried a variety of fix and holds, some class C that didn't work out quite right. You know, they have an Airbnb running really well down in Texas. Now they just capitalized on doing a primary move, catching their capital gains without paying any capital gains taxes, and then move to another house where they can add value. So doing the primary move game. Yeah, they have such an interesting kind of wading in or just go coming in from, what is that, a zero entry pool, they call it, right? Where you, you just walk in and it's kind of like walking into the ocean. So they kind of did that, where they, they had a little bit here, a little bit there, and kind of did bigger and bigger projects. And I remember, I always think about the two of them and talking about getting into that small house and living in like a, like a tiny house, right? Tiny house, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a couple of kids and them, and they're living in like a 400-square-foot little, little like one-bedroom place. I mean, just unbelievable that they would do that. And we all thought it was Dave that was driving it, but it was really Alyssa. Anyway, yeah, I thought that was really fascinating and just the, the willingness of the two of them to do what it took. Hey, we want to make this happen. What do we got to do? We got to move into a 400-square-foot place with our two little tiny kids. Tiny kids, tiny house. Yep. And the secrets that I wrote down here was uh, he wrote a business plan and then he evaluated his progress. I think that's key to any plan is writing it down. And then they were a big fan of having cash on hand. Right. That was like one of the major points I took off listening to Dave. Just really having cash on hand, that's what's going to make things work for you because you have the fuel that you need to get into the, the industry and, and buy a property. See if come along, you have to call a banker and ask questions and see if you can apply for a loan. And meanwhile, 14 other investors have looked at it. And then a couple of lessons learned that I thought was pretty neat from him. They did that long distance rental and they had a poor property manager or a poor relationship. That property management, long distance, it's tough. I don't know how to solve that one. Yeah, I think you have to have some sort of on-site or at least local kind of management for something like that. It's very hard to manage a a home and and that from a different city, even from, say, Aurora to Denver, you know, or Aurora to to Broomfield or something like that across Denver. It's very hard to have a house that far away and still manage it. As you know, people get calls for plumbers or calls for this or that or the other in the the middle of the night or on Christmas. got to take your time to go down and take care of it. Better to just hire somebody and have that set up so that it's taken care of for you. Yeah. And one other interesting thing, you know, going back and listening to these, was he subscribed to receive emails from hard money lenders. So he could find out what they wanted and keep your ear close to the game, I guess. So I thought that was an interesting tip. Airbnb app that he used, Your Porter, B-R-B-O, Airbnb, Booking.com. And then for property management app, he used Home Advisor. And Thumbtack. I've never used Thumbtack. Yeah, there's a number of those little, like, Thumbtack and Angie's List. and Thumbtack, I think, is one of those that's like, I need somebody to come and mow my lawn or 
job simple as that all the way up to we need a new bathroom put in my house. There's a lot of different things that, that you can use for that. Yeah, and then the books, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, the classic, right? Millionaire, Real Estate Investor, and Hold by Gary Keller. So Gary Keller, quite the guy in a lot of books. So I got to start reading some more. Well, that's the Keller and Keller Williams. A friend of mine is a Keller Williams agent, and he gave me one of Gary Keller's books to read. It's pretty interesting. I haven't read it in a long time. I should dig it out and, and read it again, add it to the list of books. Yeah. The other, other thing here about David is his episode is leading the charge on the number of downloads. You know, I think he's ahead by double everybody else. Ah, nice. So good job, David. I'm surprised people aren't listening to the Alyssa uh, portion of that, too, to find out kind of the other side of the Tippergan coin, right? Yeah. And I encourage anybody who's listening to to do just that. Look at that Alyssa Tippergan interview. Listen to that. It's very interesting as well. Yeah, that was great. She has it all going on here. Yeah, that subscription box business called Catholic Family Crate. Man, that's a thing going there. Yes, it is. And that's such an interesting thing that she's doing. I love that she's got that kind of mindset of helping out other people and really serving other folks. And I think that's really something that is missing in a lot of people's lives today. We should all kind of reach out a little more for that kind of thing. Yeah, and she just quit her day job, I think, the week or two weeks before we interviewed her. And so she quit her finance job and doing this business full time. Right, she is. She backed off a little bit of the uh, corporate life to move into her own business, and now she's doing more of that kind of thing. Maybe the financial impact of that is a little uncomfortable right now. I think she said that she was kind of at that inflection point, right, where she needed to get out of her job and take this on so that she could continue to grow that business. It's been interesting. So I'd love to catch up with her uh, and see how things are going. Right. And I love the lessons learned. She said, it might not be the best situation to raise little kids above an Airbnb that's operating below you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. People don't love the pitter-patter of little feet. Oh, that's funny. That's yeah, but right. no, she really, living below your means and saving money, but she rewarded herself. So I thought that was good. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're very pragmatic, both of them. Both her and David are just pragmatic people. They are plugged into what they want to do and they're willing to make the choices that it takes to do that, whether it's living above an Airbnb or moving into a small, tiny house, whatever that looks like, they're willing to take on that extra little something that that gets them over the hump. That's what separates them, I think, from a lot of people and certainly from me. Yep. Yep. And yeah, cash on hand. Um, One thing she mentioned, you know, in her story about David was, you know, at least get that minimum company match for your 401k. I thought that was a good piece of advice. Right. And then they really automated their Airbnb process. And she was saying something like five hours a, a week or five hours a month to manage it. And she, they automated all their check in and check out and communication and, and they, they really, did a great job with that Airbnb. Yeah, I think that's, with her as a financial, having been a financial advisor, I think they're just some probably foundational things that they did well. That sets them apart as well. So that pragmatism and that knowledge of, of some basic financial ideas, which is a point that probably should be made here in terms of just what is good, solid financial planning versus what some people think are great ideas or some people kind of buy into as a fad. For example, somebody said uh, you should get a as big a mortgage as you can get and keep it for as long as possible because that gives you the biggest tax write-off, which makes sense if you don't understand how tax write-offs work. 
that kind of ability to identify good, positive financial advice versus just not so great advice. Learn a little something about what's going on, understand how things work, and then make sure that the advice you're getting is, is solid advice. Yeah, delayed gratification. I think they're living it and they're going to be richly rewarded, you know, later on. Right. I agree. I agree. And then Brooks, boy, he has it all going on. Real estate investor, real estate agent, personal coach. He tried the college route and that wasn't for him. So he just went off, started learning all about real estate and coaching. And and it sounds like he's doing really well. Yeah. Uh, I have heard. So many of those uh, commercials for uh, that, uh, what is it, Flip This House, I think, is on was on a and I don't think it's on anymore, but Than Merrill was the kind of driver of that show. And every now and then, still, I'll listen to the radio, and they'll have an advertisement for the Flip This House folks coming to town, and you know, we're looking for a few good people in the Denver area to help you out. And I always just dismiss that as kind of a ploy for them to sell you some expensive program you know, that never really worked out for you, but maybe that's different. You know, Maybe they're, they're pretty good. That's what uh, Brooks is involved in. Yeah, so it sounds like the coaching thing is going really well. He's agent, you know, doing wholesaling, fix and flip, fix and holds, burr strategy. You know, they're right now they're being a little more cautious with maybe rising interest rates and the new administration and just have a little more cash on hand and being a little more conservative in their buys. Yeah, I think the new administration, some interesting things. I talked to a friend of mine said that they're talking about eliminating the 1031 exchange. That'd be big, big change. They do that. Yeah, that's big. That'll hurt the real estate market for sure. But you don't always see him come through. Uh, we'll see. But it, he keeps his eye on the political landscape. And I think that's a smart thing for anyone to do, even if you don't like politics. Understanding what the implications of the laws and the, the philosophies of these politicians are is important because it impacts the financial markets. And if you have money in the market, and a vast majority of people do, even if it's just your 401k, then you've got money in the market. So, yep. Yeah, you got to. Keep your eye on the horizon. Right. He was saying that, and I agree with him here, having the real estate license, open doors, you know, through access to the MLS, networking with other realtors, give you control over the buy sale of your own property and add credibility to your own business. Yeah. His advice to it, using some of these local lenders, uh, small community banks, they have a little more freedom and, and a little bit looser guidelines than that that they use. Yeah, I've still been looking, you know, because I need to refinance my place here. Uh, and I'm trying to do it before the six-month window. And so far, I've tried two community banks, and I haven't hit it yet. So I'll have to go look again here this next weekend. Yeah. I don't know where you can find, like, a list of local banks. It would be nice if you could Google, like, Local Banks Colorado, something like that, and you could find four or five different small banks to look at that deal for you. Any listeners out there know of a community bank that'll let me refinance in less than six months? You know, let me know, please. Yeah, and speaking of that, if there's any listeners out there that knows anybody or themselves would, you know, want to be interviewed on this show, we're taking applications. So give us a call. Always love to hear from new people, too. That's a definite benefit for what we're doing here. Love to meet new folks. Yep. And one other thing that Brooks said that I thought was really good was, you know, having contractors or getting multiple bids was, you know, to get the best price quality on your project. And then he was saying that contractors seem to be fluid. So having a good connections through the multiple bids always keeps you in contact with better or new options for everything, right? For all sorts of different contractors. So I thought that was really a good piece of advice. Yeah. 
Well, I think uh, anytime you can get multiple sets of eyes on something, different people see it different ways and have different ways of doing things. So always good to get that anyway. So I think his bread and butter is his lead generation, digital marketing, communication, negotiation. He is all over the social media sites. I was looking at him this morning and he nailed that one. Yeah. He's definitely got a major social media presence. He's a young man. He's probably driven by a lot of that and, one of those folks where Facebook was an active way to communicate when he grew up, the rest of us who watched it develop as old people. <laughs> so I enjoyed hearing about his books too. One of, a book that I read early in my marriage was The Five Love Languages. I use that in communication with my wife and, and other people uh, all the time, but I never really applied it to business. And I think that's a, that's kind of opened my eyes to something new. The idea that people, whatever the relationship is, communicate through these love languages, right? And the, you know, if your love language is touch, that's very different with your spouse than it is with a, a professional contact that you might have. But a, a handshake or a pat on the back or something like that, you know, goes a long way for somebody who's a touch person to feel more appreciated, right? Right. Yeah, you got to communicate. Absolutely. Yeah. And he reads How to Win Friends and Influence People uh, once a year. Yeah. So a book that my dad actually recommended to me when I was a teenager. Wow. Somebody had recommended it to him, and he liked it. He gave me a few bits of of information from the book, a few excerpts from the book. One of them that he said, uh, I'll never forget him telling me this, was say the sweetest word in any language to any person is that person's name, right? If you can remember people's names, that'll go a long way toward building that rapport. And I took that to heart. I remember that. I have many different tricks that I use to remember people's names. but. It works for me. When I was doing a lot of mixers, it was a lot of fun to do this because I would go in and I'd see people and then I would meet them and get to know them a little bit. I wouldn't see them for six months. But when I saw them again, I remembered their name. Wow. I can never figure that one out. Oh, I've got some tips on that I can share with you. But yeah, it really impresses them when I walk in and I say, hey, Rick, how are you doing, man? It's been a while. Last time we talked, you know, your wife wasn't feeling so well. I assume she's, you know, better now and you're daughter was thinking about going off to college you know did she make a choice on that yet thinking have we met <laughs> but i know all about him right because that's what i do people are important to me and i'm in sales so you know you gotta remember that stuff yeah no that's really good no he's uh he's on the move and he's going places so i really enjoyed that interview i did too yeah, he was very interesting in yeah Ladon, another great interview she just maybe a little bit quieter than Brooks, but man, she just nailing it. Yeah, right. She's just soft spoken and quiet. And yeah, just... going back through my notes, I realized that one of her properties, she almost doubled her money in in like three years. Bought a fixer upper foreclosed property in 2014, sold in 2018 for almost two times the gain. I mean, that's that's some good numbers. Absolutely. Very good numbers. Yeah, she was the one, too, that she bought six properties at once. I think she said it was out in Kansas City. I don't know much about the real estate market in Kansas City, but I'm guessing that it was pretty soft at the time, you know? Yeah, just nailing it. And I really like that she said she really likes working with people, and her clientele is mostly through referrals. I mean, that's a good spot to get to where people are recommending you, you know, personally say, yep, go, go to Ladon. She'll take good care of you. I mean, that's, that says a lot. It does. Big deal. I think it takes a long time to build that up, but once you do have that nice referral base, you have a, a pretty good situation there. 
She had said something too that I thought was very interesting on the investment side about using money in, a, in old 401ks and through a self-directed IRA to be able to use the cash to buy properties. There's some complexities involved in that, some nuance. Uh, and I said it at the beginning of that interview, but also I'll say it again here. If you're thinking about doing something like that, contact a financial advisor and talk with them about pros and cons of doing something like that and, and whether it's available to you and all of that. Because it's not just a, well, I want to buy real estate. Let's go do it. Situation there, some hoops to jump through for sure. But it's an interesting idea. And I think where a lot of people are going to find the majority of their liquid assets will be in a 401k, something that they could potentially use as a down Yep, you're right. I believe when we interviewed her, she just that day or that week, she fired her property manager. And again, this is one of the long distance property managers that she didn't feel like he was doing his job and she let him go. You know, she holds people accountable. Yeah, absolutely. And that's important. It's her business. You know, I, a long time ago, somebody told me I was kind of looking for some help and somebody said, this is your business. You've got to take the bull by the horns and, and do the things that are necessary to be done really sort of resonated with me. I must have heard it at the right time because it, it made sense that, yeah, nobody else is going to do this for me. I need to get out there and take control of this. And that's just what on right there for you. Yeah. And now she's a little more passive investing with the crowdfunding, uh, direct source well. She yeah. wants her money to make her more money. You know, no lazy money. Yeah. Yeah. Money's got to be working for you. Make it work hard to earn it. Now make it work hard and help you. Yeah. And her secret sauce was uh, research, talk to people in the know, you know, network, right? Be persistent and stay the course and get going. Buy the first rental property. Just get going with it. Right. And then, of course, the perennial, don't give up. Stay with it. If it's what you want, then keep working on it. Figure out a way to make it happen and get that done. That seems to be a common thread here. Absolutely. And she mentioned uh, the richest man in Avalon and the millionaire next door. Right. And living below your means is, you know, another secret sauce there. Yeah. Let's have that one figured out. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, even going back to my car, just looking at some of these different models and that and the payments, maybe not tremendously different because the, the difference in cost was amortized over five or six years. My son and I were talking about, why not buy the nicer car, you know, buy the top model or buy this, buy that. It's like, well, I can, but the reason I can is because I don't. Right. So I could do that, but there's other things I can do with my money that that would make more sense. And so I think as far as living below your means, making good decisions like that, it's very important. Right. Yeah, they just kind of keep building on each other. They yeah. do. Let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Here at Stahl Realty, you are number one. I'm a realtor with HomeSmart, and my job is to make sure you are satisfied. Here is what one satisfied client of Stahl Realty had to say. Rick Stahl was an awesome asset in helping our family find a home that checks all our boxes. He is patient and committed. I would recommend calling upon his services. One of my favorite mottos is making milestones memorable. Buying or selling a house can be overwhelming, but with my guidance and expertise, I can make this process as smooth as possible. I can be reached via email at stahlrealty at gmail.com or text call me at 720-429-3303. I look forward to hearing from you. And now back to our show. You know, the next episode, that guy was on top of it. Doug Kirstein. Man. <laughs> I mean, you could have just stopped the podcast after that. I mean, what else is there? 
I really enjoyed going back and re-listening to this and taking some notes. Um, good. You know, and I, I thought it was really interesting how, you know, this was a, just a common thread that I, I just didn't see or didn't hear when I was interviewing you was you kept taking these jobs, but they didn't have customer interaction. And so you'd last a year, two years, you would get out. You're like, this is not the right place for me. And then you eventually try another one. And it's like, ah, it's close, but just know I need people. And so, Doug, you're a people person. And right now, you, your final job, where you're at, is you're a people person now. I am. So that's what you were searching for. I saw that after finally listening to it. That was an interesting time in my life. I was trying these different things, and they just weren't working. I couldn't get to figure out where the fit was. And then... I finally kind of got into sales and started getting in front of people. It was like, oh, this is really more what I'm cut out for. This is more where I'm coming from. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's interesting that you found, that you caught that. Yeah, yeah, and I should have known that. I, I know you. And yeah, you have some good training. I loved your uh, classes, your finance degree, economics degree, and information systems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and some, some classes towards your master's degree. So definitely you like the education side of it too. Yeah, I love to learn. I always have loved to learn and to know things. Not for the sake of getting a degree or for the sake of impressing other people or whatever. I just like to know about things. You know, I find I have a lot of interests, which is why I ended up with three degrees. I probably told this story, I don't recall, but my brother, you know, he was he's older than me. And he said, well, the secret to figuring out what you want to do in college is take classes that sound interesting. And then you'll find the things that are interesting to you. My problem was everything was interesting. I took all these classes. I was like, wow, this is so fascinating. I love all this stuff. And it's like, okay, I've got a hundred credits and nowhere close to a degree. <laughs> but yeah, all this stuff, you know, adds up into our life. Like you got exposure to the stock market. That's always good to know. I, I think the inner work of the stock market is very interesting. It's very hard, but it's very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you did your fix and flip. You learned a lot there. Right. So I thought that was good. Your secrets to success. You believe in being tenacious, and that's a common thread here. Never give up. And education, it's hard to beat that one. I wish the cost of education wasn't so high, but I I love learning too. Schools are so overpriced right now. I just can't imagine that people are paying $100,000 a year, $70,000 a year to send their kids to school. When I went to college, it was, I want to say, the most expensive semester with books that I ever had was about 4000 maybe $4,500. Now, I didn't live on campus, but still, four grand. I was like, man, I can't believe I'm spending this kind of money. Insane. Yeah, investment for the future. And then your favorite books, The Magic of Thinking Big, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Wealth and Poverty. That sounds like a big, dry book, but full of a lot of knowledge. <laughs> Yeah, it's not the most exciting read, that's for sure. But it, it's fascinating, with just the ideas he comes up with. I love economics because, uh, and I know I said this in the, in the interview, but it's it's something that taught me how to think, how to be critical about things, how to watch that A leads to B leads to C, what's the mechanism, how are these things working, and I think that's something that's missing in a lot of, of education these days in a lot of schools is that they don't teach you how to think. They tell you what to think. And so people don't have that critical thinking capability. It's pretty important. Yep. Yeah. And then the next guest, 
Rick Stahl. <laughs> I got two episodes. I got one from the engineering side and one from the real estate side. That's right. That's right. I enjoy these stories. Rick, I enjoyed interviewing you because it was it was fascinating to hear where you came from. Because I know you have known you for what, I don't know, twenty years almost now, something like that. Yep. I mean when we met, when we first met, we didn't spend a lot of time together and spent a lot of time getting to know one another. I liked you from the minute I met you, but at the same time, we didn't have a lot of opportunity to interact. So hearing kind of where you came from, when I knew you, you were already an engineer uh, and, and had kind of gotten that professional part of your life going. But to hear how you came about becoming an engineer and some of the struggles that you had with that, it's inspirational to hear that kind of thing because I think people think that successful people don't struggle. And that's so not the case. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard professional people or successful people talk about the difficulties they've had and getting from where they were where they to where they really wanted to be. And that road was just filled with potholes and twists and turns and, and things that they didn't see coming. And, and your stories, whether it's the epiphany of electrons travel in a circle, you know, or <laughs> yeah, meeting the prostitute in Minneapolis. And, uh, and you couldn't put it together. Just something wasn't right. You just <laughs> like put your finger on it. And, you know, those, those stories are great because there's so many people who are like that. They don't have the experience and they feel foolish or whatever, but we all go through it. Yeah. And I think the goal there is just stay focused. And I knew if I just kept pounding away at it, that I would eventually break and I made it. So yeah, it was a lot of work trying to catch up there. But you didn't give up that tenacity. Again, there's that, that common thread, probably the most common among everyone we've interviewed is just stick with it. Don't give up. Stay with it. You'll get there. Yeah, I had to break out a cement step out in our backyard. And, man, I had to just keep picking away at that thing for, like, two days. And I just kept breaking off a little piece and a little piece. And I'm like, just keep going, keep going. No, the step's gone now. Just stay with it. Stay by your wingman. Stay focused. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Something that is common between you and me, being a man of faith, that changes your perspective because when you're thinking about what you're doing, it's for a, a, a purpose that's not necessarily just you. Like there's more to it. There's, there's a plan. There's a, a strategy. There's something greater. You're, you're part of something larger. You don't really know what that looks like or you don't know what to expect with that. But, you know, the word gives us some guidelines and some ways to live our lives. And, and I think if you stick to that and you stick to your purpose and what you're trying to accomplish, well, there's, some, there's some real power in that and blessings come from that. And I, every day I wake up and think, I can't imagine what I've done to deserve the kinds of blessings that I've received. And I still consider myself to be, have a long way to go before I'm as successful as I want to be. But I just can't imagine the, the rewards that I've received in my life for being the kind of man who puts other people first and takes care of other people. So I love that, that about you as well. It's one of my favorite parts of who you are. Thanks. Yeah, I was thinking about the why are we doing this podcast thing, and uh, we're trying to get out in the Instagram more, and and I had to figure out my why, and that was my job for the last couple of days, and I think it boils down to trying to learn these secrets to success, which you know I don't have a master, you don't, and we're learning, and but if we can help other people get to a successful spot, whatever it is, I think that's really a nice value add. You know, taking the gifts that God given us and helping other people. And not to jump ahead, but Nicole, uh, coming up here in a few minutes, we'll talk about her. She talks about giving back a lot. I've, I've been given so much, I need to give back. And so that's a uh, that's another thing that 
that is common. I think people want to help out other people, and that's really it. If you can plug into that and accept those gifts and accept that somebody else can do that and then you can pass it on, that's really a cool cool chain to be a part of. Yeah, and, you know, like giving back again, that my second episode here, you know, we built up a nice portfolio of properties, but I really feel like it's a ministry. We provide really good housing. I'm not a slumlord. And we, we fix everything. We take care of it. And I have a personal relationship with every one of the tenants. And it's so fun to be part of their lives. And so, again, I feel like I'm giving back and, you know, making a little money on it for all the risks we're taking. You know, all the toilet calls, you know, when the toilet breaks at 3 a.m., which I've never had. All, all the places. We try to fix them up when we do the rehab. So there's very little breaking for a while. All of our tenants love the properties and we have a great, great relationship. So it's really been a blessing to me and to them, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. That's a great attitude. And the more you think about that as a service that you're providing to those people, the more you'll continue to do that, continue to do the right things for them. That's, that's important. Uh, you know, your secrets to success, right? You were always about big about education, listening to podcasts, one of your Favorites is Bigger Pockets, so you talk about them quite often. Yeah, I love those guys. Yeah. I've listened to a few of them. They're pretty good. They have a, a lot of them. I think they're on episode close to 500 now. Yeah. Yeah, so we got to pick up our game. Speaking yeah, they're doing two a week. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, one is real estate and one is kind of personal growth. And as we're talking, you know, going through these episodes and Get diving into the secrets for success. We're hitting personal growth a lot here. Right. Our business, there was a process that I, I talked to this business coach, a process that we talk about called the be, do, have. It's like, who do I have to be to do the things I want to do to have the things I want to have? Then there was some sort of unusual things like these positive affirmations and looking yourself in the mirror. You know, I almost picture like Stuart Smalley, remember that from Saturday Night Live? I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me, right? It wasn't quite that cheesy, but I know my stuff, I'm capable, you know, all of these things kind of fulfilling that to make yourself feel like that person. But it, it takes real work, too. It takes education, it takes study, it takes discipline, it takes all of those things to be the person you want to be, and then you can go on and do the things you want to do. So that's the process. That's important, personal growth. You're right, we touch on a lot of personal growth, and that's important to, to uh, all of us that we're talking about. Yeah. And one of the things I don't think I ever mentioned, I should have wrote this down because this is one thing that a recent boss, we were going through an issue at work and I was victimized. I was in the right. And he, he said to me, don't play the victim card. And that stuck with me. And I think of that every once in a while, you know, like LaDon getting taken advantage of or, or David for the long-term you know, property manager there, you know, they could have played the victim card, right? That's another, I think, secret to success is don't play the victim card. Figure out what's going on and figure out how to solve it. Right. That's important. You have to be willing to make those tough decisions. And you might even really like the person who's the manager that you fired, but if they're not doing a good job, this is your life. This is your business. You have to be able to, to separate that and say, no, you, you can't be here anymore. I need to move on. No. That's important. Yeah. Important. And the book, my, I mentioned Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. I love that book. Everybody should go buy that book. If you're in any sort of negotiation, buy the book. It's really good. Yeah, that's on my list to read now, thanks to you. And I think, yeah, it's one of those that will come up. I'm about to finish one that I'm working on. One thing I wanted to mention here, and I think this is really important before we move on, and that is that you 
are married to a woman who is very supportive of the things that you're trying to do. And I think that's really important as well, because when it comes down to the risks that you're taking and the things that are involved there, I know you, you're not a, a crazy uh, risk-taking kind of individual. You're not uh, unreasonable with what you're doing. And as an engineer, you have the ability to run the numbers and, and uh, do the legwork to make sure that what you're doing is within your willingness to, to risk. But at the same time, she trusts you and she's willing to put, put money there too and, and do the things that need to be done. And I think that as a team, that that's great. So people have to be aware of what their spouse wants to do. If your partner's not on board, that's a tough how hill to climb. Yeah, I tell her every you know every chance I get. Thank you for letting me do this wild adventure. I may lose money, or or I may make money. And so far, we've been blessed with making good decisions. But I could fail very easily. So I mean, like I always <laughs> underestimate how much these rehabs cost. You know, by a third. And you know, so right now I'm gonna next week I'm gonna put in a a loan borrow against our 401k because running low on funds and, but it's a short term thing. It's that whole Burr method, right? You, you get the property going, you go to that bank, you get most or all your money back and pay them all off again. And it, it's a money game. I'm willing to take that short term loan. Yeah. That's not a big risk to take that 401k loan. And usually you have some pretty flexible terms on that, but you're right. If you can, if you know what you're, into there and you know you're going to be able to recoup that it's really not much of a risk right and you know one thing i put in my show notes on that episode is uh my son was born in the summer so he had the choice of either being the youngest in his class or the oldest in his class i went through being one of the youngest i think that was one of the things that set me back that i had to overcome and so my son is the oldest now and he's just cruising right along in all the advanced classes he can because he's had that taste of success and it just builds on each other. And so that's a really good book, too, is called The Outliers or Outliers. It uh, talks all about being the oldest. You you just have all these extra chances to learn and build on your successes. So that's a really good book, too. All right. Now, Nicole Ruth, man, she has it going on. Yeah, I love her energy. She's just lovely. She's one of these people. She walks in the room. She flashes her big smile at you. And like you're you're right there right like, okay let's do this we did that uh, webcast of hers and i was just watching her that whole time uh, and just kind of marveling at just how kind of happy she is just positive and just kind of exudes this positive energy she has this whole personal growth i think figured out she has the communication side of it figured out she has the number side of it figured out i loved her entry into the uh, the investment world it's like she was she was introduced to real estate investment in spite of herself, really, right? She had met this fellow. She was a lender looking to get a, a real estate agent as a partner and someone who could be a, a source of future business in that for her. And this guy ended up being more of a mentor for her and then introducing her to real estate investment and helped her find this first property. He had this. It's interesting. I, I would have loved to have seen more of the details on it because it really seemed like he wanted to get rid of it pushing and pushing and pushing. And she had all these different excuses why she couldn't do it and tried to get out of the contract and he wouldn't let her. That was her first property. And that's just a funny story. I know so many people who want to get into it, but they can't. She didn't want to get into it and was kind of forced into it. But now she's where she is and that's a good thing for her. So God bless her. I'm happy it worked out. Yeah. No, she has a great thing going on with the investing side. She has 24 doors, you know, the Class C and Aurora mostly, you know, the fairway lending and, 
her team there and she does that, you know, monthly webinar and she really believes in building wealth through real estate. She buys it and I, I buy it too, of course. Well, real estate provides you with a unique leverage and capability, which is not really available. If you wanted to buy stocks, you can get a margin account, which is a dangerous thing to do, but you can do the same thing. You can accomplish the same thing with leverage through properties, which is a much safer way to do it. Not necessarily safe, but safer. Uh, interesting. Some of the things that she talked about there really on that. Uh, anybody who's listening to this would be interested in that. Check out her website. What is that? Uh, the Ruth team.com. I believe it was. Yep. Uh, you can sign up for her podcast. They do it like the first Tuesday of every month or the first Thursday. Uh, and they'll go through all of this kind of thing and she'll show some of the math about these uh, rates of return and that it's pretty impressive stuff. It's pretty interesting. If you have a finance background at all, it won't be news to you necessarily, but it's pretty nice to see how it's done and that it can be done. So I definitely recommend that. Yeah. Yep. And then her secrets, you know, trust your gut. She is not threatened by the success of others. I thought that was a big key. She's all happy to share it and help other people succeed. Right. This idea that we live in an economy that's like a zero-sum game, right? This idea that if I win, you have to lose. Or if somebody else wins, somebody wins and somebody else has to lose. And that's just not the way it is. Uh, One of the book that I'm reading right now, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the seven habits is think win-win. Negotiating situation, think about how you can both win. Everybody goes in with this idea that I'm going to win and you're going to lose. But if you can figure out a way to make both people win, you can come out ahead and you have a good experience and feel good about it. That's kind of Nicole as well, right? She didn't necessarily say that, but don't be uh, intimidated by another person's success or feel like that success precludes you from being able to be successful because it certainly does not. Right. Yep. And be the first to say you're sorry. Don't hold grudges. Learn from your experiences. I mean, some of these are basic, but they really, you know, if they were struggling with these, it would really hinder them to get into the market. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or in life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, forget about investment. It can keep you from stepping out the front door in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Anyhow, great. Cool. Well, next we had Alyssa's brother, Chris, on the podcast down in Texas. The uh, pragmatism runs in the family of these guys for sure. Uh, I enjoyed listening to him talking about his, uh, he's a dentist, but real estate is kind of a a hobby and something that he does. And really it's becoming a a way for him to live. He's got small children and he he wanted a way to be able to have an office, a dental office, but also take some time off and not be penalized for that financially. So he's been able to put together a nice little situation for himself. Yeah. I loved how he kept referring to some of the more simple real estate investments as what was it? The Honda Accord? Yeah, I think that was what it was, a Honda Accord. Yeah. Just something that runs and performs and he doesn't have to worry about it. And I think, you know, like LaDon, I think that's her strategy is buy these properties that are simple. They run and just continue to make money on, you know, the investment. Yeah, for sure. Nothing super fancy, nothing kind of crazy, just the three bed, two bath kind of bedroom type communities where people can be comfortable and have the space that they need. Yeah. Nothing too extravagant. That's a, that's a a wise play. Yeah. But Chris here, he he said he has this, uh, not a problem, but he likes to jump. He learned enough and then he jumps and he, (laughs) he does not hesitate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's good and bad. You know, he doesn't suffer from analysis paralysis, but uh, he might suffer from a concussion at some point, you know. 
financial concussion. That's maybe not a fun thing. But I appreciated that as well about him. I loved his zeal, just his desire to be a part of things and a desire to go out and make it happen. And when you're a dentist, I suppose you make good money and you can do that. That's definitely a benefit for him. Yeah, and his wife helps support and lays the foundation uh, as an engineer. So, again, you know, having a man and wife team, you can go faster and, and get to the, hopefully, the financial freedom, you know, that we're all hoping for at some point, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he likes to uh, to learn a lot, too. Another common thread among people is education. It's the desire to learn more and understand more. And he likes this podcast called bigger pockets you might have heard of it yeah <laughs> yeah he listens to them and uh, this rational reminder and then he's an outdoorsman he likes backpacking and things like that so he's got a few fun uh, hobby type podcasts and he listens to as well yeah no i really like that you know again that secret sauce for him is learn enough jump in and implement what you learn so a lot of people just keep learning, you know, like you said, an analysis paralysis and they're afraid to jump. And I think you can, you can stay on the sidelines for a while, but eventually you got to put it to use. Right. Absolutely. Eventually you've got to make a decision and just use that information for sure. Yeah. And you might lose, you might win, you know, but you've done everything possible. You just got to do it. Right. Right. And don't forget the last point that he had there was be optimistic feel like you're going to succeed, have that mindset. And losses and failures usually are short-lived. You know, you can buy a property, it goes down in value. We learned from LaDawn, she bought one, it went down in value, she held it for a while, and then she ended up being able to sell it and get out of it and, and actually made some money on it. But, yeah, that was a good point. And then we went on to Heather Suzak. She has everything going on there too as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's another family team related type of idea with her, right? It was her husband wanted to do something, but they paired up with some family and they went in there. That's not always the easiest thing to do. Money is always a contentious point among people. I've been in financial services industry for 24 almost now. I've never seen anything that came between people like money does and, and cause people to do crazy things. So it's a little bit dicey to do that. Everybody's got to have kind of a similar mindset toward it. I think a lot of discussion about what happens if you know, has to happen prior to, to making any commitments there. But they went in and they, they did a nice job. She said that there were issues and, and that that they had to deal with, but they made it through it. It certainly can be done. Yeah. They did the primary move thing. They added value, moved, added value, moved, added value again. Actually was up at their house, got to see it. You know, he's just doing a great job adding value, turning this this house that was okay when they bought it. And now it's really immaculate. It's really nice. So they got that primary move jump thing down. And Nicole even mentioned that, I think, at one point, is that's one of her things that she recommends as a way to get into more real estate is by adding value, moving your primary. If you live there two out of the last five years, you get to not get hit with any capital gains. That's a great way to add equity. Well, I think that's great. I, I kick myself every time I think about the idea that when I was younger, I could have moved out and moved into a new build home or something like that. And back in those days, you could buy a house for still a very reasonable price here in Denver, bought a new build home in an up and coming place and, and then lived there for a couple of years and then moved on and bought another one. And, and uh, I just wish I had done it, but you know, for whatever reason, I didn't come into thinking about this stuff properly until uh, later. I think those are great pieces of advice. It's going to make my kids move out in their first home when they're 18. 
and get them started, you know? Yeah. But again, you know, they really worked hard at all this stuff. You know, it takes a lot of work to continually add value, fix things. And, you know, and yeah. they made, what, 50% profit on their first house, 74% profit on the second house. I mean, that's, again, building on the successes. They just continue to add up. Right. Yeah, and you think about, you know, making 50%, that's a significant number. But when you think maybe you bought a house for $300,000, and in Denver, that's hard to do. But if you made 50% on that, man, that's 150 grand. That's a that's a nice chunk of money. That's three years worth of income for the average person, right? If you made 73% on that, you probably bought a house that was more like half a million. I mean, now you're talking close to four hundred, $425,000, you know? So yeah, it's real money. money. So you know, and you, at the end, you get to live in a nice place. Right, right. That's one of my things. I love fixing up things. So, you know, we live in our house and have been here for a while, but I've done a lot of work to it. So I like doing that kind of thing. So I think that's that's a fun thing as well. If you like it, then, then you can do that. Married, two kids, and her daughter has a T-shirt business. Um, she's selling uh, skincare products. She was a project management. She's got it all going there. And like you said, she wears her, her faith out on her sleeve, you know, trusting God. She mentioned a couple of times she likes to keep her options open. You know, the, the point of never gambling more than you can lose, that's such an important part of investment. People are afraid to take risks because they can't really lose the money. Well, okay, so maybe... Uh, if flipping a house isn't the right thing, take after David, David Tipplegan and go fig, learn how to fix appliances and buy all the appliances, fix them up and sell them to people who have rentals, right? They're always looking for cheap appliances they can buy. So, you know, those, there's always opportunity there. You can always find a way to make money, but if you can't risk the full amount on a house, then find something smaller, but you can do it. Yep. And negotiation skills, you know, always a plus. And then patience, uh, another great secret there. Yep. And for her, you know, books and podcasts, she is always learning, it sounds like. Right. She likes the perennial rich dad, poor dad. I mean, how many times have we heard that? Even just tonight in our discussion, how many times have we mentioned that? Yeah, it's a great mind shift. Right. Then uh, Donald Trump, I haven't read any of his books, but Making Things Happen in Business and in Life. And then The Art of the Deal, I believe, is another good one. Yeah, The Art of the Deal, that was out in, I want to say it was out in the 80s. My brother bought it. He was still living at home, so it must have been like the mid-80s or something like that 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 came out. Uh, and uh, I even read that. Interesting. Didn't know who Donald Trump was. You know, not to get off topic, but this is one of my favorite stories. And I think people will appreciate this. Donald Trump was talking about uh, in the art of the deal back in at some point in the, you know, the early 80s or whatever it was when market, real estate markets were really not great. And New York was not a great place either. Even though there's a lot of people there, a lot of demand, there was still a high crime and a lot of things that were causing problems in the real estate uh, industry. And he had borrowed billions of dollars from these banks to build these buildings. And, and he was like $4 billion in debt or something like that. Wow. Anyway, it was a very, very large number. Uh, and he said that they called him up in the middle of the night. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And they were like, well, we're meeting and talking about this. It's such a big deal. We can't even... We're meeting in the middle of the night to talk about it. We need you to come down and, and talk with us about what's going on. So he got dressed and walked out of his, his apartment there, and he was walking down the street. And he walked by a homeless guy, and he looked at him, and he thought, homeless guy didn't have anything, but he didn't have any debt either. Donald Trump was so unbelievably far in debt, that homeless guy was worth a billion dollars more than Donald Trump was worth. <laughs> so 
you know, it's just, you have to take these risks and it's all a matter of understanding how it's structured and, and how that's all going to work out. So I really love that story. That was something that made me laugh. I, I'll never forget it. I thought it's such a great window into the mindset of a wealthy person. Yeah. You know, so it's really interesting, the business mindset. I'm always more of an engineer and go to work. So this whole business side of things is really interesting. Yes. The, the idea of being an entrepreneur, that entrepreneurial spirit, which says, we've got to find a way to make something happen. Let's find a way to solve this problem, which is not unlike what an engineer thinks, right? But it's a different set of variables. It's almost like an, as an engineer, you're in more of a controlled environment where uh, out in, in an entrepreneurial situation, you have a much greater set of strange variables. It, it is. It's just an interesting mindset. And uh, it can be really great and it can be really frustrating. Yeah. So I really liked her uh, willingness to keep learning. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we've had some great guests on this show. I have to say, I have just so enjoyed every one of these interviews. Me too. I can't think of another way that I would have been able to get in front of somebody like Nicole Ruth, right? Or to be able to sit down and ask questions, personal questions to someone like LaDawn Westbrook, right? Or even Dave Tippergan, because Dave's just a, a citizen. Right? He's not a professional like Nicole Ruth. You can go meet her and talk to her about loans. Uh, yeah, it's it's been fascinating. I've enjoyed it as well. Yeah. What are we going to do for the next 10? <laughs> we'll see, man. I know since we did Heather, we've had some other conversations about some people, and, and we've got a few people that we're, we're working on getting booked. We'll have maybe a, in our 20th show will be another recap. Yeah, so now that we did the recap, what is the recap of the recap? What is your final takeaway of what the secrets are? It's funny. The, the secret is there's no secret at all, right? It's always keep learning. Don't be afraid to take the risk and be persistent. Be tenacious. Don't give up. If you have a dream, follow that dream. If you want to invest, do it, but learn how you're doing it. Take calculated risks. That's kind of what sticks out to me. What about you? What do you think? I think LaDon, without saying it, feels the same way as Nicole, and, and all of us, once you get this taste of real estate, you do realize that it's a long-term wealth machine and it's there and it's real and it's worth taking some risks for. So once you realize the game, take some risks, go for it. So I think these people realize that. Yeah, I think you're right. It's fun, Rick. I've enjoyed tonight and I've enjoyed the last 10 weeks of, of going through these interviews. It's been fun. It sure has. And you're a great co-host. It's always fun doing it. I appreciate that. So I feel the same way about you. So we'll look forward to the next one. All right. Well, take us out of here, Doug. All right. Well, everybody, we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, obviously, Rick and I are having a great time interviewing people, learning new things. We hope you are too. We hope that you enjoy it. If you have comments or questions or would like to talk to us, and if you would like to be interviewed, you'd have some successes and you'd like to share those with us, give us a call. We've got our information from the uh, previous podcast. We hope that uh, we see everybody next week. Thanks a lot. Have a great evening. Thank you for listening to the Secret Sauce for Success show, where we find the secret ingredients for success. We all want to be successful in life, so let's break down the steps it takes to get there and learn from other people's journeys. We hope that through the stories you hear on our show, you will find success in your life.